Hey everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads, episode 40 of Land Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with Justin Golba to talk about the NBA draft, specifically Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell in the NBA draft. Justin, uh, how has your week been? What's what's going on with you? Yeah, as I've been pretty adamant about, a uh, big golf guy. Um, so the U.S. Open was this weekend, so it was a lot of fun to watch. I think my ceiling's leaking. I'm looking at it right now. So that's happening. But other than that, I'm pretty good. Okay. Good start. Good start. My ceiling was actually leaking last week, too. But my problem is that um, this is exactly what people are coming here for, is to hear us talk about our ceilings leaking. But um, <laughs> I'm moving. I'm actually moving this weekend, and they're demolishing the, my entire apartment. Um, so I put in like a maintenance request for them to fix my leaking ceiling when it was pouring down rain. And like, uh, understandably, there was no response because they're basically like, dog, we're tearing this shit down. Like, what the fuck do you think we're going to do about your leaky ceiling? Figure it out. So I, I feel you. It's just uh, we're struggling on here. Anyway, big event this week that we got going on. Um, clearly, the NBA draft should go down Thursday night at 730 on I don't know which channel, probably ESPN, maybe like ABC, I don't know. Malachi Brandon will be there. Um, assistant coach Jake Diebler will be there with Malachi in New York, and Holtman will be um, in Illinois with EJ Liddell at his party at his house. Um, and today's guest on the podcast, Mr. Joe Gemma, our first two-time guest, he will be there. So we will talk to him shortly. Um, but before we do that, um, we do just want to touch on something that happened this week in the Big Ten um, former Big Ten Player of the Year and All-American Center at Purdue, Caleb Swanigan, passed away at age 25, um, just a few years removed from college at Purdue. Um, obviously, a giant on the floor and a giant in the Purdue community for sure. Yeah, this one, just to be very blunt about it, this one fucking sucks. Um, you know, death is never a good thing and it always hurts. But Caleb was a guy that, I think if if you followed Big Ten basketball pretty pretty seriously when he was when he was at Purdue, you knew the kind of the struggles that he came from. And um, if you want to, <clears throat> we don't need to get into it on this. But Greg Doyle from the Indy Star, uh, he's a great writer. He always does great work. But he really did a great write up on on Caleb Swanigan and kind of the the struggles that he went through growing up. And you know, I. For people that might not know, he was homeless in Utah as a child. Um, and I know Greg says in that in that story that like calling him poor wouldn't even do it justice. Like poor would have been better than what they were. Um, three of his siblings didn't even finish high school. Multiple siblings spent time in prison and whatnot. Uh, I know he dealt he dealt with a lot of weight problems as a kid. He was three hundred and sixty pounds as an age at, at age thirteen. Um, and then he moved to Indiana with a family friend in high school and became Mr. Basketball in Indiana and ended up at Purdue. So um, he played for a little bit with the Portland Trail Blazers. And during COVID, I believe he even got some 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 minutes and whatnot. So um, it was tough to see. I know over the past year, Damian Littler tweeted about it like a year ago that uh, he wasn't doing – kind of insinuating he wasn't doing great. Um, and I know some pictures came out of him and looked like he'd gained a lot of weight and you know, maybe it wasn't, wasn't his healthiest. So it's just, it's sad to see obviously. And, um, you know, it just goes to show that cause I remember, I remember when those pictures came out, people were kind of clowning him. 
it just goes to show like if you don't know what someone's going through just shut the fuck up on twitter yeah um i i didn't know um like a lot of people that you know maybe aren't in indiana or don't follow purdue i didn't know about like his upbringing kind of the path that he took to to get to college to get to purdue um and kind of the problems that he faced like like you said um if you if you just search if you just search Caleb Swanigan on Twitter, one of the biggest uh, results is going to be that article from the Indy Star. Um, and he did talk about, you know, like three, I think he said three of his four siblings didn't even finish high school. And it was like three of his siblings, um, you know, fe- you know, uh, gotten legal trouble, got in trouble with the law and were, um, you know, put in prison. And and then Caleb, you know, got over up close to like 400 pounds in high school. And um, so, and then he ended up moving to, to, to Indianapolis with like a family friend and he ends up being, you know, Indiana, Mr. Basketball, just this really big kid gets to Purdue and they had to like really, really closely monitor, you know, when he ate, what he ate, all that stuff um, to keep a, a reasonable weight. So he's overcoming, you know, financial, um, you know, financial troubles and trouble at home and literally being homeless. It said that him and his dad lived under a bridge for a while, like not just poor, but like literally homeless, had nothing. And to do that and to get all the way to the league and to play as hard as he did at Purdue. I remember watching him at Purdue and just like, especially how ferocious he was on the glass. I think he averaged almost 13 rebounds a game that year that he was big 10 player of the year. And I just like, I loved watching that Purdue team. I loved watching him. So kind of like you said, you know, you don't, you don't know what, what, what people are going through. It sounds like he died of natural causes, which when you're that big, a lot of people have like cardiac problems could have been like diabetes potentially maybe they won't say but um it probably has to do with how big he got i'm guessing yeah it ju- it just sucks man it just sucks to see you know i think a lot of times celebrity deaths you know and i you know they tend to hit sometimes harder i remember like when stuart scott died i cried like all day just because of someone i grew up with you know i didn't know stuart scott from adam but you know is someone i felt like i grew up with on sports center and Caleb Swanigan is someone. I mean, we just had this with Adrian Payne, right? People remember. I remember Dwayne Adrian Haskins. Payne. Like, like, yeah, Dwayne Haskins is Ohio State fans. Obviously, we remember him and whatnot. And and you know, it's just. I mean, I grew up in D.C. Dwayne Haskins was born in the same hospital I was born in. So, you know, we have these weird connections to people that, um, you know, and it just, it just, it's, it. You don't have to know someone to feel feel something about their, their death. And for Swanigan, I definitely, when I heard the news this morning, I was sitting in my car going to work and I was like, damn dude, that I had to like kind of park and pull over. Cause I was like, this, this really sucks. Well, I was already yeah, parked. So Cause I, don't, don't look at your phone when you're driving kids. <laughs> um, I, I doubt any Purdue fans listen to us, but if any Purdue fans, you know, did do find their way over here, just know, you know, we were, we were thinking about you today, thinking about that community, his family, his friends, um, you know, it's not just Purdue fans that appreciated him. I hope that that comes through with what we're talking about is that people of all different, you know, people from different communities, people who root for different schools, even if they wanted to beat Purdue and they wanted to beat Caleb Swanigan, um, pretty much everybody uh, admired and respected the way he played because he, I mean, he, he busted his ass to put it plainly. So everybody really feels that one and thinking about the folks in West Lafayette for sure. Um, so Moving on, if we if we can move on from something that serious, um, we do have the NBA draft this week. We have two Buckeyes who are looking like they're going to be first rounder. Um, <clears throat> Justin, you're more of an NBA guy than I am. You're more in tune with with rosters and teams and all that good stuff. Um, what situations do you think would be ideal for Malachi 
Branham and EJ Liddell to land in um, Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, I've been vocal. Obviously, I'm a Cavs fan. So for Malachi, um, you know, selfishly, I want him on the Cavs. Uh, if he doesn't land on the Cavs, I think one that's kind of been sticking out to me recently, it's a little high, but the Pelicans at eight. Pelicans pick at eighth. The Pelicans are a team that are weird because there's a lot of young talent, and Malachi would be one of those guys. And I don't exactly know the fit that he'd be on that team. They have some talented wings and whatnot, but it's just a team that feels like he would his his energy would really would really transfer with guys like Alver, guys like Jose Alvarado and CJ McCollum and uh, Brandon Ingram. It just it feels like he would fit well in that team. Uh, also, the the Wizards has been a really popular pick for him at ten. I really hope he doesn't go to the Knicks at eleven because. I mean, it's just you're you're fighting upstream anytime you get drafted by a team like that. Uh, but the Wizards are interesting. I think he could really mesh well in a city like D.C., and I think he would be embraced pretty heavily. And the Wizards are a team that it feels like they're not as far away as people think they are. So uh, there's some talent there, so that would be interesting. And then for EJ, I've been very vocal about this one. 24 to Milwaukee just feels like maybe even a done deal if, if he gets to 24. I mean, he just he would fit like a glove on that team. I mentioned it when we talked to Joe in our interview later, but uh, he feels like he fits like a glove on that team. And also 21 to Denver. It's kind of a similar situation. You know, Denver getting back Jamal Murray and getting back Michael Porter Jr. They're going to be a top team in the West. So um, I like him there. 18 or 19 to the Bulls or Minnesota also makes some sense. So anywhere from 18 to 24, honestly. Again, 23 is the Nets. I hope he doesn't go there just because, again, you you go to a team like the Knicks or the Nets or the Lakers, you're kind of just swimming upstream. Um and it feels like your clock might already start ticking, but uh, definitely, if I had to, if I had to, if I had to mock draft them today, I'd say fourteen Malachi Branham to the Cavs, twenty four EJ Liddell to the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, and now I can I can run through what what they all have right now and all the different mock drafts because when this comes out, uh, when this episode comes out Thursday, then my article should already be uh, should already be available online. But I did do one more time, just like last week. I uh, pulled in all the mock drafts um, to show kind of where all the big outlets have these guys going, including ESPN, who took their mock draft out of a paywall this week. So shout out to ESPN because I don't play, pay for ESPN+. Plus. Um, Sports Illustrated has Malachi Branham going number 16 to the Atlanta Hawks and Liddell at number 34 to the Thunder, which I don't, I don't think he's going to fall that far. I would be very, very surprised if he fell all the way to the Thunder at 34. I'd be very surprised too. And that's not a place – it's funny because in our interview, Joe mentions the Thunder. That's just not a place you kind of – I think EJ fits best on a team, as as we said as we said later, like a contender where he can play 10 or 15 minutes off the bench and really impact on both ends. Not a team like the Thunder that – I mean, you talk about no identity. Good God. Uh, CBS Sports has Malachi at number 15 to the Charlotte Hornets. And EJ Liddell at number twenty to the Spurs, which for some reason I can I can very much see EJ on the Spurs. Um, he would team up with Kade Bates Diop, which that would be fun. Um, the Athletic also has Branham number sixteen to the Hawks. That's a really popular one in mock drafts. And Liddell um, number let's see here number twenty to the Spurs. So another Spurs for Liddell. Tankathon has Branham number fifteen. To the Hornets, Liddell, number 19 to the Timberwolves, where he would team up with D'Angelo Russell. NBA Draft Net, this is, this is, I think, comical. I don't think he'll drop that far. Malachi Branham, number 
20 to the Spurs and EJ Liddell number 24 to the Bucks. I would be equally as shocked if Malachi fell to pick 20 as I would if EJ fell to pick 34. Yeah, it's funny because I do not think Branham falls to 20. However, Branham alongside uh, uh, um, uh, Keldon John I always want to say Keon Johnson, Keldon Johnson and Deontay Murray is actually very intriguing, but I don't think he goes to the Spurs or falls that far. Yahoo Sports has Branham number 12 to the Oklahoma City Thunder and Liddell number 25 to the San Antonio Spurs. They have the, the Spurs have the 20th and the 25th pick, I'm sure, from some trade that I, I don't know what trade caused that. That's three different mocks that have Liddell to the Spurs. Uh, Bleacher Report has Branham number 11 to the Knicks and Liddell number 18 to the Bulls, which I think is the highest of any of these mock drafts. And then ESPN has Branham going number 18 to the Bulls, which I, I don't see him. I don't think I see him going farther than like 15 or 16. And Liddell number 24 to the Bucks. Yeah, it's hard to see. I agree with you on Branham. I don't think he gets past 16. That's just It's that's funny just, because that's just every cut, single mock really. draft, well, I shouldn't say every single one, because a few of them have him going before the Cavs have a chance to take him. But most of these have one of the teams right after the Cavs taking him. Like once the Cavs decide to go in a different direction, then either the Hornets or the Hawks are like, okay, all right, if you're going to leave him there, we'll take him. Like not a single one has Cleveland taking him. Yeah, Hornets makes more sense than the Hawks. Hawks just traded Cam Reddish, so you feel like they're probably not looking for another – he doesn't play like Cam Reddish, but another you know two or three wing kind of guy. Uh, the Cavs are kind of an enigma right now because they – I've heard Oche Ajabi. I've heard um, – the player from France whose name is escaping me. I've heard, Jay. I've heard you know uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, which I'm not too high on, but I mean he's not he's not a bad player by any means. I've heard Tari East and I've heard Malachi. You know, it's there's been a lot of Cavs names thrown around, so I wouldn't say that like I don't see him. I don't foresee a future where he gets past the Cavs. I do think that's a possibility, but if he pops up, especially if Agbaji uh, is gone, Ochai Agbaji, sorry. Especially if he's gone, um, I think you'd have to think the Cavs would at least give him a long look. I mean, it it makes a lot of sense. I feel like the I'm over the I'm over the Chetty Osman train too. So maybe we could replace. (laughs) I'm over Chetty. So I I feel like the home state plot comes together so often in drafts Mm -hmm. in like NFL and NBA drafts. I feel like like the whole home state local product, like when the opportunity is there. I feel like that comes together more oftentimes than not. So, like, if if he's there at fourteen and the Cavs p- are picking, like, I feel like there's a decent chance they do take him, even though none of these mock drafts have him. Um, but I also like, like I said last week, and we talked about, also wouldn't would not be blown away, not even a little bit, if he does bounce up to like the Knicks at eleven or the Thunder at twelve, which would both probably suck for him. But like, that yeah. would be solidly in the lottery like that is that's not even like the that's like you're getting you're you're getting close to top 10 there um for a guy that averaged like six points a game through the first month of the season kind of crazy yeah no the knicks definitely makes a lot of sense i just like you said for his sake i hope he doesn't go there i already have a denzel ward jersey so if the Cavs could just make this easy for me that'd be great he's the he's that i want him to be that the the Cavs version of denzel ward you know Hometown kid, baby. Ohio State Buckeye. 
Cleveland. No, yeah, those those will sell. Those will be hot off the presses if he goes there. So, oh my God, yeah. Well, lucky for us, our guest today, he will be at the draft in Brooklyn on Thursday night. Joe Gemma is our first two-time guest on the Bucketheads podcast. Um, we talked to him about you know what he'll be doing at the draft, kind of what his job will be, um, how much access he'll have, which sounds like he didn't totally know how much access he'll have, but kind of what he's going to be doing at the draft with with Malachi um this week and we also gave him a chance to stump for those two guys basically um if you're malachi's agent or ej's agent and me and justin are nba gms in the in the lottery tell us why uh why we we need to take malachi and ej why, why can we not pass on these guys so uh here's our conversation with joe gemma <laughs> We are here with Mr. Joe Gemma, our first two-time guest on the Bucketheads podcast. Uh, if you did not listen to our first episode with Joe uh, and get his background, he currently works with the men's and women's basketball teams at Ohio State with both social media, creative media, uh, you know, a lot of video and photo editing, has a big hand in recruiting visits and the materials and stuff that goes into the recruiting visits. And he will be at the draft on Thursday night. Joe, thanks for jumping back on with us again. Yeah, wow! I had no idea I was the uh, first back, uh, second time guest. What an honor! By popular demand. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that people wanted it. I'm glad we could give them what they want. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's what we do. We're we're we're, we're people pleasers. Um, so, Joe, first of all, how did you get a credential for the NBA draft? And and second, kind of, Lee, what will you be doing there? What is kind of your 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 role in this in this process? Yeah, so like the last couple of weeks we had been toying with the idea of like okay, are we sending anyone out to cover the draft? And by we, I mean our our, our coaching staff and along with our uh, digital media team of how we wanted to cover it. First we had to figure out okay, like is Malachi or EJ going to get an invite to the green room? Will our players even be there? Um, and I think sometime last week or maybe late the, the prior week, we um, learned that Malachi had gotten a green room invite. And so that's when we really started to try to figure out how we can get to New York. And then um, EJ will be having a private party in Illinois. Um, so that actually also kind of complicated things of how we were going to plan to cover both of those um, events at the same time and kind of be in two places at once. So um, it, it we were pretty surprised at how easy it was to acquire a credential. Um, we just asked our SID, like, hey, do you know anyone that we could contact about this? So he reached out to the NBA on our behalf, and they just sent along, like, an application, which we filled out at the end of last week. And Monday morning, they emailed us back, and we're like, yeah, you guys are both good to go. It was, like, super easy process. So um, we'll be flying out Thursday morning, um, the day of the draft, and arriving in New York around 10 a.m., and the goal is to just kind of follow Malachi around and document the day um, leading up to the draft. And then, of course, we'll be live at the draft. The thing that I'm curious to see, which we don't really know, is what kind of access we'll be granted once we're in the arena. Whether that's – I can't imagine we'll be, we'll be sitting at the um, table with Malachi. I assume there'll be like a media area where we're at. But um, we haven't been given much information outside of that. But our plan is to just capture as much of the day as possible and kind of give our fans a little bit of – behind the scenes look at that that draft process since the the last time we had a guy um present for the draft i believe was d'angelo russell and we just 
obviously um, digital media has changed so much. We didn't have any, we have no behind the scenes footage of that. All we have is the broadcast. So we're trying to do a better job just um, giving our fans a look behind the scenes of the entire day. So that's kind of the goal. First of all, shout out to uh, Gary Pettit. Gary's the GOAT. Gary so is like the GOAT. You, it sounds like he got you the hook up there. Yeah, bro. He was he, Gary is a legend. We're, we're, we're very lucky to work with Gary. He has all the answers when we don't know where, where to go. Gary is also, for folks that don't know, Gary is also kind of the go-between between, between uh, the media and uh, the team and the players when there's media availability, when there's any kind of press conferences, road trips, things like that where I have to drive to uh, you know distant lands like Ann Arbor. Gary makes everything super simple and super easy. So shout out to Gary. You kind of answered this first, but just to clarify. So was it your idea first? Like, Hey, I want to see if we can get somebody there. Or was it somebody on staff, like, like Holtman or like Eagle or somebody that was like, Hey Joe, we, we want to send you there. Like who took the initiative and was like, we need to get you in New York somehow. Well, it was something that I had kind of brought up passively and, um, Myself and Kyle Davis, uh, our video coordinator, or actually I should say our recruiting um, director, I think, and I, don't, I forget what his exact title is. He got a nice little bump in the offseason, so shout out to Kyle Davis. But he does a good job like kind of communicating what our needs are as a digital media staff with, um, and, and kind of helping our staff to understand why it's necessary. Because, of course, like they are responsible for paying to get us flown out there and paying for our hotel and all of that. Um, so they kind of have to be on board with it. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a joint effort between, uh, Kyle and I, and we at first thought we were only going to be able to send one person out there. Um, but, uh, just by virtue of how easy it was to apply for credentials, we thought it was going to be a lot harder to get them, but they were just handed them out. It felt like, so we're, we'll both be there. Just kind of moving forward into the draft. And obviously, you know, this is a big deal for, Ohio State and for EJ and for Malachi and when you were last on we talked about NIL and marketing and all of that kind of stuff and how important it is in your job and whatnot how kind of key is it do you think moving forward to have two guys that you know Malachi is going to be in the green room and EJ is getting a lot of attention it seems like his stock has gone up since the combine just how important is it do you think to have those two guys where they are in the draft for Ohio State hoops I think it's like honestly one of the biggest recruiting challenges that we've had over the last you know essentially of the Holtman era I think when we're recruiting against other schools one of the biggest things that we fought against is um, the the notion that Ohio State doesn't produce NBA talent and this is kind of our like you know FU day where we get to like no we actually are that school we've been that school and we can develop talent I think the thing that's really great for us now that we've established over the last five years is like we've kind of covered every base that a college basketball player can take every path to the NBA. So I think when we move into like recruiting and when we're talking about how we can pitch this to recruits, it's important for us to capture all of these guys um, paths to the league because they're all so unique and they provide, you know, parents and recruits um, like the full scope of what our program provides and, and how we can get them to the league, whether it's someone like Jay Sean Tate who goes undrafted plays overseas dominates over there and is able to come back and make an all rookie team, whether it's Kata who gets drafted in the second round, you know, Dwayne who gets picked up undrafted, but then finds his way into the rotation in Indiana. And now we kind of have the, we have our one and done. We have a guy that's going to be a, 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 a multi-year player who's still drafted in that first round territory. Um, so I think as a program, it's, it's like, 
you know, I tweeted, I think a couple like maybe it's, it's been weeks now, but I tweeted, I'm so ready for that narrative to be dead. Cause I can tell you, and I tweeted that out. I said, like, I'm so excited for the Ohio state can't produce NBA players narrative to be dead. And I had Ohio state fans replying to me saying like, no one says that about us. Like, that's not what, like, <laughs> and I'm like, do you think that like, who do you think would know this? Like I'm not to be that guy, but like, I understand what recruits are saying to us. Like I'm in these meet, like that's been an issue for us. Like it just simply has been. And I'm so excited for this Thursday to be able to like, kind of like, no, shut up. Like we do produce NBA talent and, and squash that once and for all. I think it's huge for the program. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking down a list real quick and this is a very rash uh, judgment for me. So if I'm off here, <laughs> Correct me. I, I don't think I am, but I'll just say it definitively. Anyway, I don't think another Big Ten school is going to have two first round picks. I don't think another Big Ten school is going to have two draft picks, question mark. Right. I mean, it, Michigan could between Houston and I know Diabate's in there. First round is, is I know those guys are projected more late to first, but I, I think it's great um, to finally put us on this pedestal. And then we were doing research like all right can we we get a graphic together of like when was the last time an nba or a big 10 team had two first round picks and we did the research it was like two years ago or something we're like all right well never mind on that graphic but we're in that conversation now yeah we're in that conversation now which is important and that stuff i can't emphasize enough how much that means to recruits because they they hear narratives we can sit and, and talk all we want as a program about how we know that circumstances and situations don't always like tell the full story of, of outcomes. But the reality is like certain players will be told if a certain player is told by another program, yeah, look, man, they haven't had a first round pick in X amount of years. That's all it takes to lose a guy sometimes for certain players. And um, it's nice to kind of be able to like finally put that to rest. Uh, so it's, it's, it's exciting. And the other part too, is just exciting, especially for a guy like EJ. It's, it's cool to, have been a part of his um, the full process with him and see the, see his dreams realized in this way because you know like for me seeing him come from his freshman or his his you know his recruiting official photo shoot to where he is now it's it's cool to see that kind of full scope so it's it's just a huge day I'm I'm really looking forward to it you should do one of those just absolutely ridiculous graphics that I know like Illinois had one and you should find the previous year before two years ago and hope that it's like 2009 <laughs> yes, yes, and just put yes. like first big 10 team to have two first round picks since 2009 in big except, font and then in yeah. 20 font put except for 2020 oh my gosh yeah it's so funny you say that we were just joking about that in the office about that the the most famous one penn state a couple of years ago did the a penn state nittany lion has appeared in every super bowl and then in like very small font is like except for five <laughs> since 1965 or something it is that's that's like such a legendary graphic we we might we might have to we might have to come up with something like that that could be pretty good that would be really really on brand of especially the twitter account to do something like that yeah um, absolutely as far as like materials that you have prepped ahead of time that are going to be like more or less ready to send out when the draft happens like how many um, jersey swaps have you done? How many like video edits have you like? How many things have you prepped ahead of time that you can just blast out without knowing where they're going yet? Yeah, that's the toughest thing about draft season, especially like right now. the The way that our guys are projected is so unpredictable. Like, it'd be one thing if we had a guy that we knew was going top five. We could probably produce a million different things of him in his jersey or whatever. But like someone like Malachi or EJ could, in theory, be drafted by every single team. 
And we want to have something ready the moment they get drafted, showing them with their new uniform on as soon as possible. And so that stuff's really tough. We have a few creative things that we're working on. I don't particularly want to like there, there's one in particular, these these um, I'll give a little bit away because I'm sure not everyone's going to listen to this. But um, I don't know if you remember uh, EJ when he scored his thousand point, we did that illustration of him where he was like sitting on an arcade machine. Um, his thousandth point, it looked like he was sitting on like a Papa shot. Um, and it was like this cool, like cartoon image of EJ that did really well. And that was done by a, um, an intern that works for the athletic department named Ran Ren. And he is going to be doing two graphics that he's got sketched out already of our players holding their new uniforms. And he'll just have to, once they get drafted, draw the correct uniform on there. That stuff's all ready to go. I'm excited for those to go out. I think those are going to be really cool. And then I'm sure you saw, or if you haven't seen, when we did those, um, the rapid changing uniform on Malachi and EJ of like every team and you pause it on whatever team they get drafted to. That mm-hmm. takes so long. I swear to God, I started the first one at like four o'clock and I was like, this could be a fun little project. Like dumbass. Like I should have totally like, I'm, this isn't my first time doing a Jersey swap. I got done with that at like 9 PM. Um, but the good thing about doing those projects now, I have both of those guys, at least one photo of them in every NBA uniform. So that stuff's ready to go. Um, and then video content, we're trying to, as much as we can, just capture live stuff from the draft, which is why we'll be going there. Because um, it's just the video ass side of things like doing swaps and, and changing colors is just so much. There's so much more that goes into it. So hopefully we won't have to do too much of that. But it, it's it's a lot. And, and especially with two guys, I mean, this will be my first time having to prep for two guys like this. We had the Kata draft. We we had stuff ready for Dwayne last year, of course. That didn't end up being exactly what we expected, but this year is going to be a whole new beast. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, you don't really know where they're going to go. I know even just today, Adam Jardy said he talked to Jay Billis, and Billis said he thinks Malachi is going top 10, and I saw a mock draft from ESPN has him going 22. So it's just – it's kind of – it's weird. I saw a mock today. Someone texted me from CBS where EJ is 10 and Malachi is not a first round pick. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, it was like, what is happening? So, so that's the, that's the tricky thing. Like if we literally have no idea at all where these guys are going to go. I mean, we, of course know as much as anyone else, we, we would, we think that there's a range that they could fall in, but what it all it takes is one trade and then every swap that you've done, if you've only prepared for five teams, doesn't matter because now you're, you know, there were people when I, when I did that um, EJ and Malachi like Jersey swap, uh, like kind of pause game or whatever. Um, we're like, well, the Lakers don't even have a pick. It's like, well, they can trade up. Like I'm not going to, what, what I'm not going to let happen is that be the one thing that does me in on draft night. So <laughs> I'm doing the Lakers swap just in case. <laughs> Um, and so let's let let's say for a second you're the agent for Malachi Branham, and we'll do EJ next, so you can get your yes. your thoughts together on that. But let's say, <laughs> tell me the kind of player in person that Malachi is, and why you'd say you have to draft this guy over everybody else. I think, and you're and this is for Malachi. You said right? Yes, Malachi. Yeah. So Malachi first. I think Malachi first of all is like as of all the the freshmen that have come through here in my time here. I think Malachi was one that was the most like that head down, get the work done player. Um, I saw him walking through our hallway to our practice gym on his own more than I've seen any freshman um, in my time here. So I think 
you saw that throughout the season, the way he was able to rapidly develop from a player that at the beginning of this season, I think we all were kind of like, dang, is this guy as good as we were hoping he was going to be? You know, everyone, he came in with high expectations and it, it took him a few, you know, a couple months. It took him till after that COVID break, really, to really have an impact. Um, and I think that's the exciting part about about Malachi is how rapid I think he's already developed and how young he is. I think the upside with him is just the 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 vision of what he could become because he's already such a prolific scorer. He has the frame of an NBA player. His arms in person are so long, like he looks like an NBA player. Um, so I think as a as an NBA GM, I would assume that those are the kind of guys that you see going in in that top end of the draft these days with high upside young have only gotten better and have an NBA frame I think I think he's got a lot of potential to continue to get better and then same for EJ let's say you're EJ's agent and we got an NBA GM somewhere in the first (laughs) round that's saying tell me as a as a player and as a person let's say we're down to like pick 22 23 why do I need to stop what I'm doing we got to take EJ Odell here Thinking about EJ's time at Ohio State, like like it's un, it's impossible to not smile when I think about EJ, like the just character and person he is. I think like everyone around our program and, and who's who's paid attention to our program understands that he's really someone you have to be around to really understand it. Just the positivity and the joy that he plays with, and 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 that side of EJ, I think, is just so important to a team and just so important. You, there's nobody that I would. Like EJ will not fail because EJ has too good of an attitude to completely fail. Like if EJ is not in the league in 10 years, I'd be shocked just because of the way that he approaches the game so maturely, but so, you know, if there's like a childlike joy to it, that from a personality standpoint, I think is going to translate. And then of course, like we all know how gifted EJ is as a player. I think the, the appeal and I think you, when you read about EJ, these mock drafts talk about it a little bit, is the the immediate impact that EJ can have on both ends of the floor for a team, offensively and defensively. Um, he's able to do the things that you want kind of a modern wing 3-4 player to be able to do. He can switch on to def- onto smaller players. He can switch on to bigger players. He can defend at the rim. He's a great rim protector, and obviously he can shoot it. He kind of has that skill, those skills that NBA teams are looking for. Um, but but really, the most important thing with EJ is the person he is. Now, I think it can sometimes be said so much that we lose sight of it. Like it's almost just it goes without saying that EJ is a great person. He really is like one of the nicest kids that I've ever had the privilege of working with at my time there. Um, so I have no doubt in my mind that EJ is going to be a successful, productive NBA player for a long time. And then this this isn't your preference. I don't know if you're allowed to have a preference. Maybe you are. I don't know. I don't sure. care. But let's just just for EJ. Yeah. If you close your eyes, because I know you're you're a bigger NBA guy than me. I don't know if you're a bigger NBA guy than Justin, but I'm almost completely college right. hoops. Are there any teams when you close your eyes and you're like, oh yeah, I could see EJ Odell stepping onto that team and being like the the perfect perfect complimentary piece for what they have going on there. I think a lot of people have mocked him to Chicago and I think Chicago makes a lot of sense just because of their, they need more defense at the rim um, in, at that position. And I think EJ can provide that he's from Illinois. I think that would be a fun location for him to land. I think it would be a natural fit for a lot of reasons. 
Um, that's the one to me that I've seen the most that I'm like, yeah, I, I could see that. Of course, everybody, anytime we post about either of these guys, they're like, the Cavs are going to draft him. And selfishly, as a Cavs fan, I'm like, yes, that that would be great. Um, but I, I think Chicago makes a lot of sense for EJ. But um, th- that's the thing. They pick pick 18, yeah, maybe? That, that's around pick 18. Um, so I think that that one makes a lot of sense. But I could see him succeeding in a place like san antonio i could see him succeeding in a place like i mean i've seen people mock him to washington i think that could be interesting um but like the thing that's the thing about ej i mean i think ej's fit matters to me a lot i think if you're an nba team you're you're probably looking at ej if you're one of those teams that's kind of on the cusp i don't think ej makes sense in a place like oklahoma city where he's going to be surrounded by a bunch of young players trying to get better i think ej's on a little bit shorter of a timetable than that you want to get ej um on a team that can contend now maybe a team like phoenix could be interesting i don't know yeah i've been i've been saying to get him to milwaukee i think i think that would be a really cool that would be milwaukee would be great i think he'd play you know 10 15 minutes off the bench and kind of kind of play that play that role um also so and it's also fun. Back to your. Uh, I just wanted to put. I just wanted to say this because it's funny that you mentioned EJ's attitude. I was home this weekend talking with my mom and dad, and my mom doesn't follow sports in the slightest. But me and my dad obviously do. We were talking about the draft and EJ Malachi. When we were talking about EJ, my mom goes, "Is that the guy who's always smiling?" So he <laughs> yeah, definitely has that. Like, yes, it is. <laughs> Good job, mom. Yeah, I'm like That's you funny. got. I was like you, mom. You got it. You know. But yeah, Let's he go. definitely he definitely has that reputation. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. And he cares so he cares so much too. Like I was honestly, uh, I was at the tournament in Pittsburgh. Not to cut you off, Justin, but after the the Villanova game, um, I mean, I'm I'm supposed to be in person, this like unbiased media person, and I'm sitting there in the press conference, and like EJ and Malachi are like, you can tell like they were both real, real close to just breaking down and crying yeah, right there in front of a hundred media members. And I mean, they're both about to be, they, they knew as soon as that game ended that they were both going to be millionaires in a couple of months. And they were both about to just start. It looked like they were just barely holding on. And then I'm sitting in the crowd <laughs> and I'm barely holding yes. on. I'm not allowed to cry. For sure. <laughs> so they both just cared. So yeah, you should have let it go, man. It's good for you. Uh, that's so funny, <laughs> but you're right. Um, EJ has this look sometimes after a loss. I mean, I, I've like, I can see it in his eyes. Like the, just like, you can see how much it like hurts EJ when we don't succeed because he, he loves, I think like, that's the thing more than anything. EJ loves is just winning. And like, there were times where EJ never had a bad game for us, but if we lost, you would have thought it was like, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to him. Um, and man, especially it's funny you say that about after Pittsburgh because, bro, those NCAA tournament, the game that you get knocked out of the NCAA tournament, I swear to God, the the saddest place on the planet is the locker room of the losing team in an NCAA tournament game. I mean, like it is just it like is pathetic how sad it is in there, bro. It, it's tough. Like you can't help but cry because everyone in there is like bawling. It is it's an emotional place. It's, I saw the picture of like EJ hugging yes. Kyle and I was like, Oh yep. That's, that's going to be the one that's going to do it for me. I yes, got to log dude, off. Yes, dude. That's, <laughs> it's tough in there. I mean, but that's also at the same time what, you know, 
that's why it's so fun because everyone cares so much. If it'd be, it would be a real bummer if you walked in that locker room after a loss and was just like, all right, let's get up out of here. Like, bro, like, what are we doing? Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. It, it, like, all right, we got, we got checks to, we got checks to cash in June. We're going first round. Let's go. Bring me my money. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's very tough in there. And uh, so last question, aside from EJ and Malachi, obviously, because we just talked about them for 20 minutes, but uh, which player in the draft are you most excited to see kind of what kind of pro there will be? And I'll add kind of a second caveat to this. As you said, you're a Cavs fan. If the Cavs don't go EJ or Malachi 14, who do you want them to go with? Yeah, that's that's a tougher question than the first one, really. But I'll, I'll answer <laughs> your first one. I think the player I'm most excited about – um, as a Big Ten basketball junkie is, of course, Jaden Ivey. I think he's yeah. – when you look at these mocks, <laughs> when, you, when you look at these mocks, it kind of seems like it's, the consensus is you have your top three in Jabari, Paolo, and Chet, and then you kind of have Ivey slotted in in that fourth spot. And I tweeted this the other day, and this is no slight to any of those top three guys. I think if I, I – and I don't know which one it'll be, but if I just had to guess how the draft will end up going when we look back at it five years from now – of those three guys at the top, Paolo, Jabari, and Chet, one of them will be a superstar, one of them will be okay, and one of them will bust. That's just like kind of the math of how this stuff tends to work out. And I think Ivy, when he goes four, will in all likelihood, in my opinion, be the second best player in this draft. And we'll be looking at it like, oh my God, can you believe the Pistons took X player over Ivy? I think he has so much upside in a system that is I'm so excited to see how he plays without two, you know, back to the basket big men. Um, I think his ability to create, like when when we played Purdue, I swear to God, like everyone was always like, oh yeah, Ivy, he's just an okay three point shooter. Every time he shot a three versus us, it was like I'm going to die, like I'm going to melt in. Like anytime they needed a bucket, he got it. And just watching him in person, it he had that like wow factor when you see it live. I'm excited to see what he does with NBA spacing. I think he's going to be super explosive, um, and I, I think he'll be one of those those players. The game at Mackey did it did it feel like it felt watching TV? Like when it when it came all the way back uh, and it was tied, and you were like, "He's going to get the ball," and oh, he yeah. jumps, and you're like, "Son of yeah, a bitch. no, son of a bitch." There's no way he's missing that Dude, shot. And you know what? Because I've I've seen some heartbreaking losses at Ohio State, and that one for me, honestly, like that shot went in. And I felt nothing like I was just like, well, like because it wasn't even like, all right, well, he hit some great like that's just a good shot. Like I, we couldn't have done anything more. We fought hard and it was just like, damn. All right. Well, I'm not even shocked because that kid is just special. Um, I trust him as much as anyone um, to have an impact on the next level. I think like when you look at what's what works in the NBA right now. It's guys like Jaden Ivey, super athletes who can just get their shots off. I think he's going to be incredible. Yeah, that 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 shot at Mackey just was like a dagger to your heart, but I swear I felt nothing. I, I looked over to I think I, it was Ben. I forget what video guy we even had with us on that trip. It's such a blur. But I looked over and I said it's a good shot. Just walked back to the locker room like, damn, it's <laughs> a good shot. As far as the Cavs, if they aren't smart enough to take EJ or Malachi or do do tr- maybe trade up for fifteen and get Mal- get them both, um, I think Johnny Davis is going to be a productive NBA player. I don't know if he'll be available at fourteen. I've seen a lot of people um, wanting us to get Ochai at fourteen. I think that could make some sense. The weird thing about the Cavs is like I feel like they are in a place where they have like a lot of like. If it were 2K, they have a bunch of like 85 to 90 overalls. 
And I'd almost wish they would consolidate some of that talent because if you think of like, okay, even someone like Malachi for myself, I'm like, of course I want Malachi to be in Cleveland. That would be a dream come true for me as a Cavs fan. But it would be a little redundant with Karis Levert there. But then at the same time, if you're the Cavs, do you need a big man? No, you've got a million big men. Do you need a wing? Well, you could probably upgrade a Coro, I guess. But I don't see that fit like in that spot at the draft. So I don't know exactly what – I'll be curious to see what the Cavs do. If I really had my choice, I'd, I'd want them to package that pick and maybe another asset on their team to maybe just try to upgrade who's currently on the roster. If, and that, of course, is if they don't uh, want to draft EJ or uh, Malachi, which, of course, would be foolish. But Justin, do you have any rebuttals there, Cavs fan? Yeah, thoughts? No, I agree with everything, I, I, I agree with everything <laughs> you just said. It's weird because – they're in that weird spot to where like the draft is kind of not incredibly exciting because they have so many good young players. I kind of just wanted to run it back, but I know they got to pick somebody. So I'm on the Ochai train or Malachi, of course, but one of those right, two. Yeah. Ochai, then, Ochai makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah, and back to what you were saying about the Purdue game, it is funny about Jay Nivey because I remember watching that game, and I swear to God, there was EJ Liddell hit those two threes to tie the game, and I never once – even left my couch or got excited because I was like, they're going to do something, you know, like Jay Nive is going to do something. <laughs> yes. And no, so, dude, I, he so just, like, that guy, that game was so weird. It like before, like, so cause weird. that crowd Mackie, have you guys ever been to Mackie? No, it's on my bucket list. I have not bro. That place is as loud as any arena you'll ever go to. And the entire game, I've never been there and have it not be like your ears are bleeding from how loud it is because they're usually, in all honesty, like whooping us at some point in the game. There's They, they inevitably are going to go on like a 10-0 run. That's just how uh, the game works. But it was weird because the whole game, it felt like we were out of it. And then all of a sudden, you kind of like look up. It's like, oh, EJ hit a three. Oh, EJ hit a three. Like, what is going on? And so you never even had enough time to like – react to it because all just happened so quickly it's like oh oh we're back and like no never like never mind like never mind and you couldn't even like process what had just happened it was all so quick but that was that that was one of the stranger games i've ever been at all right joe that that's all we've got for you today we appreciate your time as always um where can the folks follow you on twitter if they want to if they want to follow your your adventures in, in New York this <laughs> yeah. week. I would say, first of all, make sure you follow Ohio State Hoops. That's the first thing. If you want to follow me most, uh, if you want to follow most of my Ohio State basketball takes, they'll be on hoops in at like one in the morning. Sometimes I'll go on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm at, at Joe D. Gemma on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is really where the basketball shit posts come. Uh, through. So <laughs> check us out there. Uh, I have some fun on there. I might drop a teaser. I might drop Chet Holmgren, Ohio State uh, official visit photos later this week, just because I think they're so funny <laughs> to see. Um, Dude, I can resonate with that so hard. I had a I had a Chet Holmgren commits to Ohio State draft oh, sitting there ready man. to like. Come on, come on, baby. Oh, yeah, dude. I look at those photos every once in a while, like that, that Wolverine, uh, like with the, the, the picture frame laying in his bed or whatever that is. Like that's sometimes how it feels. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe I'll drop those this week. So yeah, follow at Joe D Gemma, G E M M A. Hit me up. Yeah, you should definitely uh, on the Ohio State Hoops account all weekend just do like a Joe goes to New York video series and not even touch (laughs) once. Don't, don't post yeah. on Malachi EJ or anything. Just Joe yes, goes to New dude, York. Let's, this, this is my moment. This is all about me. That's what it's all about. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what it is. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Well, we really, like I said, yeah. we really appreciate it, Joe. It's always fun talking to you. And 
hope you have fun this weekend. It sounds like it'll be a good time. Yeah, we'll see. God willing, I make it out alive because we're not going. It's just me and Ben. There's no other staff members going with us. So it's just me and Ben Majors in New York all by ourselves. So hopefully hopefully we get it done. We'll see some some cool stuff. I'll, uh, I'll post as much as I get. again to joe for joining the podcast to talk about the draft he is a ton of fun to have on and i'm sure i'm sure that he will probably become the first three-time guest in the future um if you found this on the land grant hoyland website make sure to also subscribe on spotify apple music whatever uh, whatever the hell you use to get your music so that when we put out new episodes uh, you would be notified. And if you are on Twitter, you can find Land Grant's main site at LandGrant33. Obviously, football season's kicking up, so make sure if you listen to us, you're also listening to podcasts like Buck Off and Hang Out in the Holy Land as, as like we said, football season's getting going. So they do some great work as well. Support all Land Grant podcasts and whatnot. Um, you know, there's a family of podcasts, so uh, definitely check those out. If you're finding us on, if you want to find us on Twitter, we're Bucketheads. LGHL capital LGHL um, you know the, the content on Twitter isn't exactly fuming right now because it's June but um, we try to keep it going as much as possible and you can find me at Justin underscore Golba if you want some shitty takes and if you want to follow me on Twitter it is at Lamons which is L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor uh, have a great weekend everybody go Bucks. And congratulations to first-round picks EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham, knock on wood. Oh, also, before we go out of here, sorry about this. Uh, I know we're normally used to Connor being the last one to talk, but I just wanted to say real quick, congrats to Aaron Kraft, who was inducted to the Ohio State Athletics Hall of Fame today as we're recording this is Tuesday. So congrats to him. Bye.